Thank you for joining us uh, here in the room. Thanks for joining us online. Uh, if this is your first time with us, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. And uh, you have picked a great Sunday to join us. Uh, but I do want to give a special shout out to Donna Spratt, who joins us online each week. I want to make sure I said hey to you. Donna, thanks for being there. Uh, this week, by the way, we are starting a five-week series that we are calling Streaks. And by streaks, we're talking about, and by the way, this is on the YouVersion Bible app. It's in the notes there. So if you have that app, our notes are there every week. I want to make sure you uh, have this because I'm going to ask you something to do something for me. But a streak is something that you want to do or not do intentionally and consistently because it gets you somewhere that you want to go. So something you want to do. So what is something that you intentionally and consistently want to do or intentionally and consistently don't want to do because you, there's somewhere you want to go. So I asked some folks some of the things that they're shooting at. Uh, someone told me that they're shooting to read uh, to their kids every day because of the benefits for the children of reading to children, but also because of the benefits for the relationship. The streak is, of course, how many days in a row you know, you've been doing that. Some of us are shooting to eat under a certain number of calories a day because of the health benefit. The number of days that you've been able to pull that off, of course, is your streak. Some of us uh, try to exercise six times a week. How many weeks have you been able to do that? Some of us are trying to quit smoking. By the way, if that's you, if you're someone who's trying to quit smoking, I just want to say this, you are a rock star because that is a hard habit to break. Uh, but how many days have you not had a smoke? That's, I mean, that's the streak. Uh, I shoot to kiss Sandy every day. Uh, and most of the time I hit it, but you know, sometimes she sees me coming. And, um, <laughs> but so far our streak is 39 years. So, uh, listen, yeah, woohoo for me. Uh, I'm guessing that all of us have something like that. So here's the thing I want to ask you to do. If you would, in the version notes, uh, there is a link. Would you share something that you are working, a streak that you're shooting at? Something that, uh, that you want, that you're trying to intentionally uh, do uh, sometimes a week, number of times a week, or number of times a month, whatever that is. Uh, I need your help with this because I want to share that. I promise I will not share your name unless you ask me to, uh, but... Uh, but I think there'll be a great variety. We'll probably be surprised by the variety in the room online of what people are shooting at uh, to do. So if you would, that'd be great. Now, the idea of the series is that there's actually uh, habits or disciplines that uh, as disciples of Jesus, we all want to develop that will have the greatest impact on our lives if we intentionally and consistently do them. Daily is what we're shooting at, uh, hence streaks. So for anyone, of us, anyone who's not heard us say, if the word disciple throws you off, I kind of get it. Uh, the we word we most likely hear in our culture to talk about people who are following Jesus is the word uh, Christian. Followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Acts chapter 11 because of their behavior, their activity, their speech. They were little Christ. That's what that word literally means. Christian means little Christ. And that, by the way, that's good. Uh, the word Christian is used three times in the Bible. And quite frankly, 
the, the word in our culture, in our day, has been watered down to mean just about anything, actually. Uh, the word disciple or disciples was another word used to describe followers of Jesus. It's actually used 294 times in Scripture. Uh, and so that's kind of, we're just sort of adopting that word. And I just want to make sure you know when we talk about the disciple here at MCC, we've, we've defined that. We want to make sure we're all shooting at the same thing. And if you've been here, you've heard me say it multiple times over the last few months. And so if you would, you can say it out loud with me. Also, it will be on the screen so you can say it out loud with me. All right. So a disciple is someone who is following. Okay. I was going to say a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Now, during this uh, series for the next five weeks, really the part we're looking at is the being changed by Jesus part. What is it? What are the disciplines uh, that, that help us become more like Jesus, be changed like him? And today we're beginning with the disciplines that surround Scripture. By far, the number one catalyst that will help you, regardless of how long you've been following Jesus, if it's been one day, if it's been 40 years, the number one catalyst for all of us is how we engage the Bible. Paul would write to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, just to make sure we're all on the same page, Paul, uh, his name, if he's unfamiliar, he's, he wrote half of the New Testament, 13 of the 27, the letters at the end of the New Testament. That's Paul. Uh, he was a church planter, and he spent many years traveling about starting new churches, and he developed this team that he worked with in this mission. Timothy, the person he's writing to in this letter, is one of those people. Uh, we also find out in his second letter to Timothy that uh, Paul, when he's thanking God for Timothy and his family, he specifically mentions his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Now, what we find out is that Timothy's dad was a Greek, uh, but his mom and grandma are Jewish, and they are the ones who brought him up. They immersed him uh, in, in the stories of the Old Testament scriptures. Young Timothy grew up uh, and having instilled in him this deep faith and in the coming Messiah. Now, I put this in the, in the notes because I think this is really interesting, and I want to make sure you got it. It was the glory of the Jews that their children from their earliest days were trained in the law. They claimed that their children learned the law uh, even from their swaddling clothes. They drank it with their mother's milk. They claimed that the law was so imprinted on the heart and mind of a Jewish child that he would sooner forget his own name then forget the law. So from his, I just tell you that because I want you to kind of understand Timothy's background. From his earliest childhood, he would have known the sacred writings. And Paul was so impressed by his passion and devotion to Jesus. He mentored him for years and eventually started sending him out on missions to different churches. That's where he is now. He's actually in the city of Ephesus. He's with the church there. And what's happened is false teaching has crept into the church. So Paul is telling Timothy to make sure that people hold on to the truth. And so this is in the notes. We already know this, but I want to make sure you get it. The Bible exposes, he's telling Timothy this because the Bible exposes false teachers. Now, this, this may surprise some of us, but people will not always appreciate the truth of God's word. Uh, and when we begin to share it in our culture, you may be called narrow-minded. You could be called bigoted or chauvinistic or a fundamentalist or homophobic. By the way, if I were the enemy, 
the two best tools I would have against the effectiveness of God's word is if, number one, I just got people to stop reading it. I mean, it's a, if they owned it, who cares? If they have a bunch of them at their house, who cares? As long as they don't open it up and read it, that would stop it. The other thing I would do is I would confuse or change what the Bible says with this question. Is that really what God says? Does that question sound familiar? It goes all the way back to the garden. It's the very first question that's asked of Eve by the serpent. Is that really what God said? Did he really say that? By the way, that's still being spoken in our culture. It's splitting the Methodist church right now. Uh, And it will be at that moment that each of us will have to make a decision. Are we going to be people who pander to the popular teachings of our culture? Or are we going to stand up? Thank, uh, uh, save that yes for just a moment. Uh, <laughs> you're a little, a little early on that. That's a plant, by the way. Uh, or will we stand up and, uh, for and stand by what the Word of God says? Will we say with Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It's in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. Will we recognize the promise of God all the way back in the prophet Isaiah, even in the midst of opposition? So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Will we agree with John and what he said at the end of the New Testament? My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers. Out, what, who, who put that version up? Uh, <laughs> well, since it's up there, let's talk about it. Don't believe everything you hear. You need to examine and weigh what people tell you. You need to examine and weigh what I tell you. Look at how the Living Bible says it. Don't believe everything you hear just because somebody says it's a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. We still face this in the church today. We have to be careful not to allow teachings that are almost what Jesus said. Pretty close. Sure sounds a lot like something what Jesus would say. Or it's just what our culture wants to hear. You need to be real careful about that. I love that our women's Bible study meets on Thursday mornings and Thursday evenings. There's two of them. Uh, They are studying, beginning this week, the Truth Project. So, ladies, if you are not, if you've not been through the Truth Project, or actually if you've been through it and just be a great refresher for you, highly encourage you to be part of it. That's exactly what they're going after. And we know it's not even just what we teach. It's what we sing. We have to be careful in the choices that we make about the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings because false teachings creep in in very singable songs that are playing on Christian radio stations. So we vet the words to the song that we sing, and and we work hard not to endorse people whose teachings are going to lead you uh, away very subtly from the gospel. This is why Paul would write, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, let's read the rest of this out loud, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And and you know what, just coming off of that, and I know this goes without saying, which is of course why I'm going to say it, but, but we need to stay tight with the Bible because the Bible points me to Jesus right? That's what's going on. Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And some of us, we know that. We've had people make sure 
that we keep finding that out and that we heard this at, at some point in our life so that we can make a decision. But there are others of us here who are just now getting in a place where you're, you're hearing, I mean, you're just hearing this kind of for the first time. And what we really want you to know is that book isn't even really just a book. It's actually 66 books that are all put together, but they're one story. All 66 books are part of one story that leads to Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us in the hope that you'll believe in him. Listen, it just, it goes all the way back to the very beginning of the story. You know, God created us to have a relationship with him, and somewhere uh, along the line, we blew it. And our sin caused the separation between us and God. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, if you know anything about the Bible, you probably know about the Garden of Eden, right? It was Adam and Eve, and they sinned, and that caused the separation. But here's the thing. You know, we all know our problem with God isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. That's not our problem. My problem with God is that I sin, and that causes a separation. Your problem with God isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. Your problem with God is that you sin, and it causes separation, causes us to back away. He doesn't go anywhere, by the way, but we take a step back from him because we know he's holy, and he can't stand sin in his sight. And so people try to fix this by doing better, but we get frustrated because we know at some point it just doesn't work. We keep coming up short. We can't quite be good enough. Uh, and, And the reason we're trying to fix this separation is because the Bible says that if we don't fix it now, In this lifetime, in our lifetime, it continues into eternity. The Bible calls that hell. It's the eternal separation from God and His love and His mercy and His presence. The good news of our faith is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to do something about that. He was born to take care of our sin problem on the cross, which acts, by the way, as a bridge that allows us to get back to God. The Bible talks about three steps that we need to take, right? Uh, uh, One is we need to believe that it's true. As a matter of fact, this verse may be memorized by some of us, or you heard it as a kid growing up, that God loves the world so much that he gave his son, that if you'll believe in him, you don't have to worry about being separated from him. You will have everlasting life. The second thing, and by the way, the question is, do you believe that's true? (laughs) And so, you know, that's real, and I don't want you to answer that out loud, but I want you to think about that. Is that, do you believe (laughs) that that's true? The second is you need to repent, which is just telling God, I I blew it, and I admit it. It's me. It's not someone else. No one else made me do this. It's not my mom or my dad. It's not my kid's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. The decisions that I have made, I made. Maybe as a result of something that someone else did, but I made those decisions. This is on me. It's not on you, God, or anyone else. Acts 3.19 says that if we will do that, if we will admit that to God and turn to him, our sins will be not just lightly erased off the chalkboard, not a line drawn through them. They will be wiped out. And then the book of Acts talks about being baptized as a response to God's grace to help you take that, uh, to help you move in that direction. And by the way, if you've never done any of that, And you're sitting there thinking, I do believe that about Jesus. I do want to follow him. I I need to talk to God about this. I need to do something with this. We'd love to help you take that step. I'll be down here at the end of service if you want to talk about that. But it's in knowing the Bible that we hear about who Jesus is and how much he loves us and how to become a disciple of his. And all of us, everyone in the room, everyone online, we're all in that picture somewhere. No one is not in that picture Everyone is in that picture on one side of the cross 
or the other. And again, if you want to talk about it because it's been on your mind, please see me afterwards. But I also want you to get this. No one has gotten to the point of making the decision about following Jesus by themselves. No one. Check your story. If you're following Jesus, I guarantee someone along the line spoke with you about him. You didn't just intuitively know about him. You found out about him because of someone. That's why Paul reminds the early church, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you. We're begging of you. Be reconciled to God. And I share that with you because, listen, what someone has done for you, what someone has helped you with, don't you know somebody who needs someone they trust to help them understand how much God loves them? Isn't there someone in your life that's far from God that you care a great deal about and the thought of being separated for eternity just tears you up? And you've got to do something about that to help them know that Jesus loves them and help them follow him too. Someone who can say to them, listen, I'm not perfect. It's not that I don't struggle with sin. Far from that. I'm not claiming that. Please never hear us say that. That's not what we're saying. But all we're saying is, please follow me as I follow the example of Christ. Where I'm getting it right, you follow me in those areas. And that will just keep taking you to Jesus. Which is why Paul reminds us, by the way, that the Bible tells me how to follow him every day. Because following Jesus, being a disciple, isn't about this one-time decision. It's about this everyday decision that we make. Paul would write this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Scriptures literally are God-breathed, God-spirited. is a reference to the Spirit's guide uh, role in guiding the authors to write Uh, what God wanted his people to hear. And they're useful for teaching, telling me things that I didn't know. You find out things you didn't know when you read the Bible. They're useful for rebuking, challenging me, getting in my face about the things that I say I believe, but I don't live like I believe. And boy, do we all love it when the Bible gets in our face. Uh, Useful for correcting me, exposing my messed up ways of thinking and behaving, and training in righteousness, showing me the way to be truly human the way God designed. In your notes, it says it a different way. Teaching shows us the path to walk on. Rebuking or reproof shows us how we got off the path. Correction tells us how to get back on the path. And instruction, training, and righteousness shows us how to stay on the path. It's all about life change. And when we talk about being changed by Jesus, listen, it's not that we have, it's not that we have to work really hard to be good boys and girls. That's not what this is about. It is about surrendering to the process of the Holy Spirit in your life doing the work. And if that's what you want, and by the way, I must confess that as a pastor, I'm not silly enough to think that everyone here wants that. I know that there are people who go to church occasionally because it makes us feel better and encourages us when we're down. But if you want your life to become what God wants you to be, this is a streak that you have to begin and continue for the rest of your life. And, and here's why I say streak, and I've shared before this survey that was done by the Center of Bible Engagement. I'll continue to share it. By the way, you're not done hearing about it. I'll share it again after today. I had someone just this past week who came up to me and said, hey, you have to read the Bible. How many times do you remember what they told me? 
I guess I gave that away. Uh, four times, right? If you're counting. Uh, four times. Because that's what this survey was. They polled 40,000 people from the general population. So not just church people, but everybody. Ages 8 to 80. And they were trying to figure out how do we engage with Scripture and what, if any, difference it makes in our lives. And they found some things that they didn't expect to find. And then they found something that they had no idea. And it kind of became the, the cornerstone of the whole survey. Uh, but the survey revealed... That if we were in the Bible one time a week, and by the way, that one time could be this morning. This counts for you. Good news. Uh, and so, uh, but if you're in the Bible one time a week, and this is the only time you'll open it, it has this negligible impact on your life. Basically, no impact whatsoever on your life. Uh, if you read and reflect on what the Bible says two times a week, this is a survey found that it has a negligible impact on your life. Basically, nothing happens if you're in the Bible two times a week, which maybe is not great news but it's at least informative. Uh, if you read it three times, if you're in the scriptures three times a week, there's kind of a, a blip. You can, I mean, something happens, not really anything much, but you can tell there's, you know, there's a little bit of life there. But the profound discovery they made was that when we are in the scriptures four times a week, it just spikes off the chart. What they thought would happen was, if you read it once, you get a little bit, two, you get a little more, three, you get a little more, and then four would, of course, be huge. But what they found was, one through three, basically nothing. But the fourth time you are in Scripture, it, your feelings of loneliness drop 35%, anger issues drop 32%, bitterness in marriages and relationship with children, that sort of thing drops 40%, alcoholism drops 57%, feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%, viewing pornography drops 64%, sharing your faith jumps 200%. Probably because you have some more confidence because now you're actually reading and engaging Scripture. Discipling others jumps 230%. Reading God's Word, reflecting on what it says for our life, makes a huge impact on who we are if we will engage it. So, a couple of ways. Uh, I keep my Bible close when I participate in worship each week. Each week, here is the promise. We will either be working our way through a book of the Bible, or we will hit topics and tell you what Scripture says about those topics. My promise to you as a pastor, the promise of our elders here at MCC, for all ages, from those who have just been born to those who are about to no longer attend with us, is that the Bible will be taught in your hearing in such a way that you know how to apply it to your life. I want you to know, too, that the Bible, I keep it close when I read and reflect every day. And one of the ways that we help with that is we provide, and we just started doing this at the end of last year, a reading plan with every series. And it is available right now on the YouVersion Bible app. If you're in our notes, there's a link. It'll take you right to it. You'll find it on Facebook as well. But it's in the YouVersion uh, Bible app. It's one of their reading plans. Our Bible reading plan, this particular one, was chosen to help you, if you're not used to reading Scripture, to help you begin to build that muscle. So it's the Gospel of Matthew, it's one chapter a day, and there's three questions you'll answer every day. What does it say? What does it mean? By the way, it has a meaning. You don't get to determine what it means. It, there's actually a meaning to what has been written. You don't get to make that up. And what do I do with it? Those are to help you begin to develop and understand what we'll be talking about on Sunday mornings, in this case in particular, to develop this particular discipline five times a week plus Sunday. But don't, 
please don't feel tied to the. If you already have a great reading plan, if you're already involved in that, if you already, you know, spend time with God and His Word, please, you don't need to add this to it. You can if you want. You can read it with everyone else if you want to do that, but you don't have to. The goal is that all of us are engaging Scripture, reading and reflecting every day. Uh, and my goal is if, if you're just starting, try four days this week, right? Four days, that's significant, four days. And if you miss one, don't miss two in a row. And if you miss two in a row, don't miss three in a row. And if you miss three in a row, don't miss... Wow, math is hard, isn't it? Don't miss four in a row. And don't get mad at yourself and just say, well, forget it, I'm done. Just start over again. That's all you got to do. You're building a new muscle. It'll take time for you to remain faithful in this. Hebrews 2 says this. We must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. We must listen carefully to the truth we have heard or we may get to one point in our life somewhere down the road years away and go, how did I get here? Can I just say you drifted away from it? Because you weren't connected to it on a day-to-day basis. Not a week-to-week, not Sunday-to-Sunday. Day-to-day. You and God, you and His Word, you and the Holy Spirit, you and Jesus connecting on a day-to-day basis, recommitting yourself to Him and His kingdom and His cause and His way of living. So we're about to take communion together. Paul said this, What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. Read those last four words with me. According to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. What we are about to do, we are about to remember Jesus' death and burial and resurrection for our sins. Not his sins, right? Not, not anything he did. It was for us. It was because we had this sin debt that we could not pay, and Jesus came to pay it. And so we take these emblems, every week we take these emblems in our hand that remind us of his body and blood, and we remember not only what he did for us, but we commit ourselves today specifically to reading and reflecting on what the Bible says to make sure that what he did helps us become like him. We recommit now, during this act. Listen, if that's not where you are, please just, 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 it's okay to just sit there while this is going on. Don't make an empty promise. But if that's your promise, God, I want to do this so that this thing that Jesus did for me that I just can't even get over that he did. I mean, I, I would never give up my son for anybody. But my grace and love isn't as big as his. This thing I can't believe you did for me, that you did for us, I commit myself back to you and to staying with you every day through your word so that I know how to become more like you. So we're going to remember, I'm going to pray and then we'll do this together, okay? Father, thank you for a moment like this in worship where we get to respond immediately to your word. Help us to hear well what you have said to us this morning through the Apostle Paul as he speaks to Timothy. 
Help us to hear what we have learned about the power of your message and, and, and not just gathering once a week, but actually coming before you on a day-to-day basis so that we might invite you to change our hearts by what you've said. And you, you, you would, through changing our hearts, you would change our behavior because of how you have told us to live our lives to look like you. And Holy Spirit, we count on you to do the work inside of us because we're just not strong enough. We keep coming up short on our own. But not with you. Not with you. So help us as we remember now, Jesus, what you did for us. Thank you so much for that. We love you so much. Thank you for giving your life for ours, trading your life, allowing yourself to be brutally murdered for our sins. God, help us. Help us to hold on to that and to become like your son. And we pray that through our remembering this morning. Amen. And so we take the bread that reminds us of Jesus' body and we remember. And the juice that reminds us of his blood. And we remember. And so if you would, I'm going to give you a moment. If you would go ahead and talk to God about where you are in this process. And if you need to come clean with him, now's the time. And if you want to recommit, now's the time to his kingdom in your life. Father, it's in a moment like this where we recognize our great need for you because we're all too well aware of where we have fallen short this past week since we last made this commitment to you through our communion. And Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that you walk with us. Even when we fall, you help us back up. And Father, if we ask for your forgiveness, Your word tells us that you are faithful and just and forgiving our sins, and we're grateful for that. May we continue to hold tightly to what you've said through your word, the written word about Jesus, who is the word, who became flesh. Help us to hold tight so that we don't drift away. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name.